honored to be here. I had the opportunity and privilege of really the truth is though I got connected with Pastor Joe um, last year. I kind of feel there's a sense of kindred that I felt with the church um, for close on 20 years. I had the privilege of going to Rhema with um, Pastor Amy and, and, and Jeff and just the opportunity to be here today really is a great privilege for my wife and I. I want to give a big hand to my wife, my better half, Kenny. If you're doing any kind of ministry, you better have a good wife behind you. Some of us married up and we're still thrilled about it. Glory to Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you... Um, if you want to turn to the gospel of Jesus as recorded by St. Luke, Luke and chapter 9, Luke and chapter 9, I will also read in your hearing Ephesians and the, sorry, Genesis and the third chapter, then I will pray for our church from Ephesians and chapter 1. I'm cutting in and out, is that, is that me, is that battery? Do I need to change this? Yes, sir. Speak with more pressure in your voice. More pressure. <laughs> Woo! Let me try this. Y your mic clip moved. Okay. Try that. Pastor fixed me up. Everybody needs a good pastor to fix you up. Everybody. I, I, I say that everywhere I go. I have the opportunity of, I pastored 20 years, but I, I walk in different mission fields. And every major city I walk in, there's a church, there's a pastor that I'm accountable to. Let them know when I come in and when I go out. And when I'm not in town, my pastor knows where I am. Amen? Amen. You don't outgrow a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. That's already good preaching. I won't take it back. <laughs> Glory to God. That gives you enough time. You're in Luke and the ninth chapter. Luke chapter 9 is the parallel scripture to Matthew and chapter 16. So I'll read Luke and chapter 9 from verse 18. And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him and he asked them saying, who saved the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say the one of the old prophets is risen again. And he said unto them, But who say ye that I am? Peter answered said, The Christ of God. And he straight charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my 
sake, the same shall save it. Genesis in chapter 3. Read from the 7th verse to the 13th. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Mm. And he said, I heard the voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Finally, I will pray from Ephesians 1 on my knees. Ephesians 1 from verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of TWBC's faith in the Lord Jesus and TWBC's love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for TWBC, making mention of TWBC in my prayers that the God of TWBC's Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give TWBC the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of TWBC's understanding being enlightened that TWBC may know what is the hope of his calling and TWBC will know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in them as saints. And that TWBC will know the exceeding greatness of his power to them word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in TWBC in Christ when he raised TWBC in Christ from the dead and set TWBC in Christ at his own right hand in the heavenly places and has placed TWBC in Christ far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but in that which is to come and has put all things 
under TWBC's feet in Christ and gave TWBC as a part of the body of Christ to be over all things, which is his body, the fullness of him that feeleth all in all. I'll have my brothers come up real quick. Set the tone for this. I have my four brothers, please come. It's interesting that it's amazing, the privilege to run errands for God, that the king of all of heaven and earth will give you a message to give to people. And as he gives you a message, which you many times will write down, even as you read sometimes, he's still slipping stuff to you. That's a preacher feeling it. He's still showing you things as you open it up. His word is a life. It's not just a textbook of some information sometime. It's a living book. We have a living savior. We've been invited to a living relationship. A present tense ongoing relationship. And he speaks to you. The devil is a liar. Your father speaks to you. You hear the voice of your father. You know the danger many times. Brothers, just give me a minute here. The, the, The danger many times is you're stuck with what you heard about him. That you're forgetting to listen to what he's saying to you now. He speaks present tense. He's not schizophrenic, but he tells you he wants ongoing relationship, so he'll tell you sufficient so that you keep coming back to him. If you notice in that scripture in in Luke 9, and you also see it in Matthew 19, he told them not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. The same one that will later tell them, go into all the world and tell all. He desires ongoing relationship. And the danger for us many times is we're stuck with what other people say about him. I believe this is how I read this. This is the impression I get. When he asks them, who do men say that I am? They have quick answers. But who do you say that I am? The impression you get is that they all went silent. And then Peter piped up. It's revelation. It's present tense you knowing him for yourself. Not just what Pastor Joel said about him. He said you come and taste and see. I I don't need a description of how the flavor is. I I need to experience him myself. That's what he's invited us to. An ongoing relationship. Brothers, Let's get informed here. So, someone say illustration. 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 So, whoa, these guys are quick. So, let's get some space here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word God is the word Elohim. It's plural, yet singular. Genesis 1, 26. Let us make man in our image. Us who? Someone said God and angels. No. We're made in the likeness of angels. 
were made in the likeness of Elohim. For he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High abides under the canopy of the Almighty. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and they're safe. Man created in the likeness of the Godhead to be found in his presence. You were created for fellowship with him. In Adam, you and I broke relationship, separated from the Godhead. But the Godhead, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere present at all times, in all time. Having a foreknowledge of man's sin did not get caught off guard. The scripture says he was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. That means before man was created, before the earth was created for man to dwell in, before the first speck of dust was made, God knew that man would fall. Not as a reaction to his fall, but in spite of his fall, the Father and the Word and the Spirit, three distinct persons, yet so united they are one. God will send the Word and yet still remain in fellowship with the Word. The word becomes flesh and dwells amongst us. He reveals for three years the consistency of the Father's kindness, the consistency of the Father's mercies. Think about it, that you don't look in scriptures in those four renditions of the death, of the life, birth, ministry of Jesus, that one time he doesn't meet anyone that says, uh, you're so bad I can't help you. Not one time. Not one time. He meets a man in Mark and the first chapter, verse 45. The guy says, I, I know you're powerful, but I know me. I, I know how I've lived. I, I'm not sure that you can still be willing to heal someone like me. Jesus said, I will. Listen to me. He's an ever willing all good God to you. Theologians call that omni omni benevolent. Always willing and acting with good intent towards you. Our minds go killed at that thought. That he, he never changes his mind. That all he ever thinks towards you is good. That good God sent his son to reveal himself to humanity but on the cross him who knew no sin was made sin with our sin he loved the world and took the sins of the world I say this all the time unconsciously many of us think John 3.16 says for God so loved the church but that's not what it says. It says, for God so loved 
the world. It was the sinful, despicable, cheating, lying, resentful, hateful, killing, adulterous world that he loved. He says, if I be lifted up, I will, the word draw is the word suck, like you use a straw. He took into himself all of humanity's sin. And because he was made sin with our sin, he went to the place you and I spent an eternity separated from God. So distinct was the impact and the effect on sin on him that he that has always been in fellowship with Godhead will say, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? That was in him delusional. That was him with an acute awareness that because sin had become a part of his person, fellowship with the Godhead was broken. For you, for me, and all of humanity. And because of that, he went to the place of departed spirits and he took the torment and the punishment that was due us as if he was the one that sinned. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Hold on. So man, if you'll split one second here, raised from the dead, now he's seated on the right hand. So man has the opportunity not just to dwell in God's presence, but through the finished work and through faith in what he did, you and I are now in Christ, in God. Listen to me, child of God. God never deals with you as an individual in yourself. If you put faith in Christ, if you trust and rely in what he did on that cross, you are in Christ. The New Testament is replete with over 130 phrases. In Christ, in him, in whom, in the beloved. That tells you who you are and where you are. Brothers, thank you very much. The devil's plan is to keep you in Adam. But for us that have put faith in Christ, we are in Christ. We're in here. So Luke and the ninth chapter will declare, if any man will come after me, and that's the danger for us, even for those of us that once knew him or once put faith in his sacrifice, I say this, the cross is not a one-time experience in my past. Mm, come on. The cross is not the place I came to 31 years ago as a freshman in, in college. No. The cross is a daily experience. Daily I come to him. Daily I yield to him. If any man will come after me, Luke 9, 23 says, let him. 
let her deny himself. The word to relinquish the right of ownership over. Let him deny himself. Let him acknowledge that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, it is not a denying of your right to yourself once every three months. No. He said, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. It is a daily acknowledging, according to God's word, he redeemed me unto himself. He didn't redeem me for me. He redeemed me for himself. I say it this way. God has the right of ownership over your life and my life three times. By original intent and design, he owns you. By virtue of creation, he owns you. But he lost me in Adam, and through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he purchased me by the blood for himself. He didn't purchase me for me. He didn't set me free to be owned by me. Because if I'm owned by me, I will give myself back into bondage. He bought me for himself. Look at what Luke 9 says. Let's go back there. Luke 9. Luke 9 and verse 23. And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, come after me, come after me, it is him we come after. It is him we come after. Not the stuff he gives. Because stuff comes from his hands. We know that. It is God that gives power to make wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant in the earth. But there's a danger to get attached to stuff. Who gave stuff? He did. It's him we press after. He's the one that we want. He's the one that our soul longs for. I'm constantly renewing that reality to myself in worship. You're all I want. It is you I'm desperate for. You're the longing of my heart. When the music and everything fades away, and I simply come, coming just to you. It's you I long for. The children of Israel knew his acts. Moses knew his ways. We as the church, we know him. He says it this way in Philippians and the third chapter. You quoted verse 10, but I'll quote verse 9. He says, and being found in him. Not having my own righteousness. The danger is you can stay in church so long that you establish your own form of righteousness. Not his. Not his. But being found in him. That means you can be lost in you. You knew him at one point in time. You've hung around church long enough. Yet 
life is about what you want. No, being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is by the law, but the righteousness, which is by faith in Christ Jesus. Our desire is for him. Why is that a danger for us as the church? Because there are four dimensions to truth. There is the life-giving person of truth. There are the principles of truth. There are methods of truth. And there are patterns of truth. The danger in church is that we can become attached to the principles, the patterns, and the methods at the expense of him. He's called the author and the finisher of our faith. He himself is the author and finisher of our faith. But the principles of faith can easily become what you long after. Oh, someone didn't hear me. I know this is a faith church. I know the principles of faith are emphasized here. I know we believe in Mark 11, 23, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. What is he talking about? The principles of faith that you will have to believe that what you say comes to pass before you see it show up. Principle of faith. That when there's nothing in the natural that substantiates it, you are going to have to take God's word and put it on your lips and declare it. That mountain is moving. Principle of faith. What are the ways in which that principle is applied? Methods of faith. Prayer. Verse 24. What things soever ye desire when ye pray. Prayer is one of the ways you release your faith based on the principle of faith. Worship. One of the nine kinds of prayer is consecration. You affirming his lordship of, over your life. I belong to you. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul longs after you. You're, you're releasing your faith for him to consecrate through one of the nine kinds of prayers we see in the nine New Testament. Method. But the methods and the patterns don't replace him. It's him we long for. It's him, the master and owner of our lives that our soul desire. Has that scripture ever puzzled you? That those will say to Jesus, we worked miracles in your name. We cast out devils in your name. Notice what he said. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Why? I never knew you. You knew my principles, but you didn't know me. Hence, Paul will declare, this one thing I desire, Ephesians 3.10, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering so that if I'm made conformable to his death, I will conform to his life. You see, child of God, our identity is rooted to who we are in him. There is a danger that the failures of life will attempt to define you. 
Genesis in chapter 3. We read from verse 7 to verse 13. And in those verses, we see the first five manifestations of death. You see these first manifestations of death. These five, the varying combinations of these five produce every kind of brokenness in all of us. If you're struggling with rejection, if you're struggling with some form of abuse, if you're struggling with um, a lack of self-esteem, anything that is a brokenness in you, every dysfunction, dysfunction in your self-perception, dysfunction in your sexuality, I had to go there. Really, I had to go there. You know, we make it sound like homosexuality is different from every kind of other sexual dysfunction. You had me right. I said it. It ain't different. It is a brokenness that comes from a lack of relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not my relationship responsibility to correct that. Get the person into an intimate relationship. Jesus will take care of that. It's not any, any different from the dysfunction of pornography. Not any different. In our own righteousness, we graded it. In him, he brings people into relationship with himself. And that is why your responsibility and my responsibility, I said this earlier on, we exist, we were created for fellowship. But we were put on earth to love people for him. He put you here so that someone will experience the love you have experienced daily in the cross and they will want the love that you show. Ours is not to condemn and criticize. Ours is once we get into that grading thing. You you know, every time I hear that somebody makes a sleep, I'm very careful to say, God have mercy on me. Because I know but for the grace of God, there go and I. If you catch yourself adding and piling, you're not seeing it. But for his mercy, that's you. Bringing us back, Genesis 3, we see five. Every one of those five, all of us deal with it on different levels. We're struggling with guilt, struggling with shame, struggling with fear, struggling with unrighteousness, and struggling with pride in different forms and different combinations. But this is the truth. That abuse was significant. The period of that abuse was significant. But at some point in time, you are going to have to decide that his sacrifice on that cross was more significant than that experience of abuse. Understand what my brother said when he transitioned. We're not saying that was not painful. But you are going to say his sacrifice on the cross was a greater weight than the abuse that you felt. And you're going to have to elevate the cross above your experience. There's some of us here seated struggling with failure. I I have two teenage sons and I I was telling my older son, just dealing, laying stuff out. You know, I wasted my first three years in college. I got chopped out. And it, it, was a, it was a very debilitating experience, that sense of failure. That sense of, I, I'm not good enough. 
But through the love and belief of people that will just get around me and put God's word in me afresh, that says that my failure does not define me. I am not my failure. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. I had to, at some point in time, not stay in the earth, but step into the truth of who I am in Christ, in God. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings. Your failure does not define you. That, that, that abuse does not define you. That, 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 that divorce does not define you. God still has a plan. The one that nothing takes by surprise still has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you will learn to open into his word, this is what Paul is saying. That there's something of the working of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Oh my God, that blesses me. You, you see, it's is another thing completely differently to have the wisdom to implement what you know yeah, of him. Philippians says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That nobody in your situation has ever come out doesn't mean there's not enough wisdom in God for you to come out. You can break that cycle of addiction. You can break that cycle that has similarly defined your family because you find wisdom in a personal living relationship with Jesus. But it will come because you learn to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What will the spirit of wisdom and revelation do? He says the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. This is the reality. In Genesis chapter 3, though the scripture says, and their eyes were opened. That referred to their physical eyes. Their spiritual eyes actually closed. That's right. Their physical eyes opened, and because of that, they felt, whoa, I'm naked, give me clothes. But what they lost was deeper. This is the reality for most of us. All of us are looking for love in all the wrong places. Only in the love of God. Only in the receiving of the love of God as an ongoing experience. Are you clothed in the glory of God? Even Jesus will have to receive the love of God. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You have to learn to receive the love of the Father. As you meditate in his word, not just reading the word. That is why you learn to put songs of worship on your lips that affirms you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. You're perfect in all your ways. It is you embracing the truths of who you are in Christ. Philemon and chapter 1 verse 6 he says that the communication of your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ the truths of who you are in Christ that you are blessed with all spiritual blessings with all spirit 
in all in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that you are strong in the Lord and in the power and his might that you put on the whole armor of God and you are able to stand that there's no temptation that is common to you that is not common to men but God is faithful and with every temptation he makes the way of escape why because Jesus is made unto you wisdom righteousness and redemption there is wisdom in God to get you out of that situation. But you must embrace who you are in Christ. How? Spending time meditating on his word. It's not just something you do to think that I've done my morning devotion. You must allow those words rest on your mind. Because the effect of principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness is to fill our minds with thoughts that are contrary to who we are in Christ. He doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't respect you. He does. And if you listen enough to those yappings, it starts to control how you think, what you say, and how you act. So it's not about coming to church. It is about in fat life in the words that come out of your mouth. Affirm your identity of who you are in Christ. I round up with this thought here. You see, those five things produces three primary effects. It makes you and I selfish, self-centered, and self-absorbed. Guilt makes you selfish. It, it almost sounds incongruous but I'm feeling guilty. That's what, it makes you think about what you did and how you did it and how it now affects you guilt. But there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. That means the more I see myself crucified in him, died in him, buried with him, knowing the fellowship of his suffering, Realizing I'm seated and raised with him. The more I see myself in me, I, I become less and less selfish, self-absorbed, and self-centered. How? Because my thinking is focused on him. Yeah. It's focused on what he did. It's focused on what he still wants to do in my life. Why? Because you are God's workmanship. I know you've gone through life's experience that has beaten you down, but you are God's workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus and created for good works. God has got a purpose and a plan for your life. There are good things that he's not changed his mind that he will do, but you have to use your authority and break those thoughts in prayer. As we stand to our feet, I sense in my heart that people here, particularly on the issues of just condemnation, I sense that even thoughts of suicide, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, let it end. The devil is a liar. No, no, no. You're a child of the king. In worship, they emphasize that. And the spirit kept emphasizing it and kept emphasizing it in worship. Worship leaders yielded to the spirit of God and we kept declaring it. I'm a child of God. I'm a child. It is to get you out of that funk. The devil is a liar. God has purpose for your life. As we take the next few minutes to immerse ourselves in him afresh, to yield ourselves to him,
to deny the ownership of our lives and acknowledge that this is yours. You bought this, I'm crucified with Christ. This life is yours. I refuse to live for myself. You've got plans for my life. I open up myself to the voice, to your call, your plans for my life. I yield myself to you afresh. The washings of regenerations and renewings in the Holy Ghost. The presence of God is here to cleanse you from everything that defies. He said, if you confess your sins, it's faithful and just to forgive. He forgives and does not remember it. Child of God with heads bowed. The altar care team is lined the walls. Our worship team is ready to lead us in the worship again. It's not time to look to someone. It's time to look to God. Immerse in the fellowship of his Let his spirit cleanse you like shower on a summer afternoon. Let him cleanse you on the things from the things that defile. Let your heart hold to him afresh. If you're in this place, you don't know him. You've never given your life to Christ. Or you've known him at one point in time and your heart has gone cold. There are people, altar care workers that are ready to pray with you. Or you want someone to pray with you this morning. As the other saints lift up their hands. As we immerse ourselves in worship. Please get out of your seat. You've never known him. You want to rededicate your life to him afresh. Or you want someone to agree with you in prayer. As the worship team leads us. And as we consecrate ourselves. Come out of your seats. And let someone pray for you this morning. We, we are do, so Jesus. glad that you joined us here at TWBC. You are our online family. Right now, we want to take a special moment and invite you to say a prayer with us. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, we want to give you the opportunity to make the best decision you'll ever make. If you need to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, pray this simple prayer with us right now. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I understand and receive the sacrifice that you made for me. I thank you that my sins are forgiven. I thank you that you paid the price. And I thank you now that you are Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you have been raised again from the dead. And I thank you today. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I receive my salvation from this moment on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with us, thank you so much for joining us this morning and being a part of the family of Christ. We're so excited that you prayed that prayer with us, and we want to say welcome to the body of Christ. We'd love to follow up with you, so if you prayed that prayer, send us a quick email or reach out to us through social media. We would love to get in contact with you and help you find a place of belonging wherever you're at if you can't make this your church home. Thank you again for being a part of the Way Bible Church, and thank you for tuning in to this broadcast.